Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. All right, uh, if you got a Bible, take out a Bible. If you got an e, uh, e-phone with a Bible, whatever, just don't get on stupid Instagram or Twitter or something like that. Um, go with me to First Peter. First uh, Peter chapter 3. Verse 10 and 11, it says this, for the scripture says, if you want to enjoy your life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil, keep your lips from telling lies, turn away from evil and do good, search for peace and work to maintain it. Show of hands, how many go, I want to enjoy my life. Come on. I want to enjoy my life. I want to enjoy my spouse. I want to enjoy my friends. I want to enjoy my kids. I want to enjoy my job. I want to enjoy my finances. I want to enjoy the season of life that I'm currently in. Amen? Okay. I want my life to be far away from what? Things like stress. Who goes, no more stress. Okay. No more stress. Okay. I want to be far away from hate. I want to be far away from Anger and fear, anxiety, sadness, hopelessness. How many go, yes, I don't want my life to touch any of those things. Amen? Okay, thank you. I got like one hand, like one person's like, yes, yes. Well, if that's how you feel, then today I promise you you're at the right place. John chapter 10, verse 10, it says this, a thief, who's the thief? It is the enemy of your soul, the enemy of your life. Satan himself, okay? The thief comes only in order to what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. And if you haven't figured it out yet, he'll never stop. He doesn't care how long you've been in church. He doesn't care how long you've served the Lord. It is amazing in this day and in this moment how you see people who have served the Lord for 30 years be distracted, be pulled away. They're being deceived and renouncing that they ever even believed in Jesus. It says, in these last days, the last days that we're in, even the elect will be deceived, okay? He'll never stop. He wants to destroy your life. And ultimately, what does he want? He wants your soul. But Jesus, this is what he said. He said, I came that you would have life and enjoy life. There's that word, enjoy. He wants you to enjoy life to the abundant where it's full until it overflows. So I just showed you two different scriptures that talks about what? Enjoying your life. That you would enjoy life. That you wouldn't just get through life. You know, like that idea that like, oh, I just wake up and put my clothes on, I go to work, and I do all the right things, you know what I mean? And I'm just pushing through, you know, I can't wait to get home and, you know, take a nap and, (laughs) right? Can't wait to get home, get a beer in my hand, you know, like, right? That's how we see life. I don't think this is how Jesus sees our life. He doesn't see our life that way. He goes, I want you to enjoy life. 
I want you to have peace in life. I want you to have joy in life. I want you to actually enjoy life and shine my glory through you so that other people go, how do you enjoy life the way that you do? Amen? This world doesn't need a bunch of believers in Jesus that look just like them. This world needs a bunch of believers that go, man, they're full of joy. They're full of peace. They're full of love. They're kind. They're joyful. Our boss just ripped us a new one, and they're, they're smiling. Amen? So the question is this, then how? How do we enjoy life? All right, we're going to go to Numbers chapter 13, and this is where we're going to spend the most of our day, okay? Numbers chapter 13. And this is a story of Moses. Moses has led the people of Israel out of bondage, okay? They were slaves, and he's led them out out of their slavery, and God is taking them to a land that he has promised to them, a promised land, a place flowing. Jesus, the Lord said, is flowing with goodness and is flowing with milk and honey. So we pick up in verse 13. It says this, the Lord, uh, actually verse one, sorry, verse one. The Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land that I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 tribes uh, to go scout the land. Now we're going to go down to verse 25. That was one and two. We're going to go down to verse 25. It says this. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron to a whole community of Israel that were out in the wilderness, okay? Because they're out in the wilderness because God is taking them to a new place, okay? Now, the wilderness is sometimes needed. Can I get an amen from you? Okay. Sometimes the wilderness is needed to prepare you to go into the land that God has for you, okay? So sometimes in the wilderness, you can get real testy with the Lord. You get real frustrated with the Lord. And the Lord's going, no, no, I'm preparing you so that you can handle the blessing that I have in store for you. That's coming, okay? So these men, they come back. And this is what it says. They reported to the whole community what they had seen, and they showed them the fruit had been taken from the land. Why is the fruit that was taken from the land important? Because you got to understand, even today, today, the land, this promised land that God promised Israel, this land in Israel, it is the most beautiful, bountiful land in the world. Did you know that Israel produces, I think it's 80% of all the fruit that uh, the that Europe takes in, 80% from this little place called Israel, okay? Israel is sitting on more oil in their land today than anywhere in the world. Why? God bless this land. This is his land. This is his land for his people. And so they're bringing back fruit to go, hey, look at this fruit from this land. Verse 27. This was the report to Moses. When they entered the land to explore, indeed, we found what? Beautiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. And here is the produce from it, verse 28. But then this is where it all changes. So their whole tone changes, their perspective changes, everything changes in verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, descendants of Achan. Verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people who stood before Moses. He said, let's go at once and take the land and we will conquer it. Why does Caleb pipe up? Because he goes, God told us that's our land. 
That's our land. He goes, he goes, there's something wrong here. What you're telling, what you're telling the people, no, this isn't what God has spoken. Verse 31. But the other men who had explored the land disagreed. They disagreed. Isn't it funny how when God says something to you, God speaks to you, that doesn't mean that everybody around you is always going to agree with what God spoke to you? I'm going to tell you right now, it's, it's rarely going to happen. They said this, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. What a life perspective. I remember when I was uh, coaching Michael, and we would have certain games where we would, you know, like before the game, I would watch our team watch the other team. And sometimes the other team would be big and they'd be strong and there'd be some eighth grader that could dunk, you know what I mean? And, and they're watching this other team and you'd have to like grab their attention and go, I don't care if they're bigger or stronger. You can't go into this game already defeated. This happens all the time in life. You see a giant before you. You see a giant of an unexpected bill. You see a giant of a report that came to you. You see the giant of a situation at work. You see the giant of a report from the doctor. And you're already defeated before you even enter the battle. Right? Verse 32. So this, so they spread this bad report among the Israelites, the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes there. Well, what's the point of going there then, right? There's giants. There's huge people. We're going to get devoured. And all the people we saw were huge, verse 33. And when we even saw giants, again, what are they saying? They're giants, 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 okay? How are we supposed to defeat this giant? How are we supposed to get over this hill? How are we supposed to make over this mountain? Here's what they said. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. We felt that's how we felt next to them. So here's the deal. We got to learn a few things today about how we enjoy our life through the Lord and how we enter into our land. Because here's the deal. If God had a promised land for his people, that means that God has a promised land for you. If God... God would not have shown us this unless he wanted us to know today in 2022 that he has a land for us flowing with milk and honey for us. Okay? Now, here's the deal. We got to get this right, okay? We got to get uh, what we're saying correct because here's the deal. I don't want you to think this. When I say the word promised land, it's not a perfect land. Amen? Okay? It's a promised land, but it's not a perfect land. Why? Because perfect land doesn't exist, okay? You're going to face giants. You're going to go through hardship. You're going to go through moments in life that don't make sense. You're going to have moments that you go, I can't believe I'm going through this, but you can go through it with the grace and the strength of God, and you can get to the other side blessed and highly favored. Amen? Okay? So what does God have for you? He has a land for your life, seasons in your life, just like he said here, a beautiful country flowing with milk and honey. So what is God saying? There is a place for you in your life where things like what? Your marriage can be full of joy and peace and love. Amen? And that you like your spouse. 
Remember when you liked your spouse when you were dating? You know what I mean? You're like, that was a long time ago. This place where you actually like your spouse. You want to be with your spouse. You want to spend time with your spouse. God's going, there's, there's, a, there's a land. There's a place where you can enjoy life together. He's saying there is a place where you don't have to pick Mr. Wrong or Miss Wrong. Got to get an amen with all the single people in the house, okay? Right? Like you don't have to just settle for somebody that's immature. You don't have to settle for somebody that's overly sexual. You don't have to settle for somebody that's driven by their emotions. You don't have to settle for somebody that has no vision for their life. You can go, you know what? I'm going to wait for the promised land. I'll wait for Mr. Right, Miss Right, the person that's full of Jesus and actually loves Jesus more than they supposedly love me. Can I get an amen? How about there's a promised land for your home? A home full of peace. How about your finances, your time, your energy? God's going, there's a land where you live, where you are living out of the abundance of God, the overflow of God. Not just maintaining, not just getting by, not just hoping that we can get to the other side, but going, no, in faith, I know we're getting to the other side, and the other side is good. Amen? Uh, Listen, I'll preach myself happy today, okay? I promise you. This is the life that I want. I want to enjoy my life. God wants me to, this is his promise. He said, I want you to enjoy your life. So we have to look at the word to understand how to enjoy our life, okay? Again, 1 Peter 3, verse 10, First scripture says, if you want to enjoy your life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil. So I want to show you something. I want to show you how they spoke evil and how we speak evil all the time and we don't even know we're speaking evil, okay? So verse 32 in Numbers, they spread the bad report. The land we traveled through, we explored, will devour anyone who lives there. And all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants, descendants of Achan. And next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, okay? So here's the problem. Everything they're saying is true. Right? Are they lying? No. They saw giants. They saw fortified cities. They saw themselves outnumbered. They saw people who were bigger and stronger. They saw people that they felt like if we got into a fight with them, they're going to destroy our life. Are they telling the truth? Yes. 100%. But the problem is this. Why are they speaking evil? Okay? Because I promise you, in the Lord's eyes, he saw this as evil. And I'll tell you the end of the story. They didn't go into the promised land. They wandered the wilderness for 40 years. Remember what Peter said. Remember what Peter said. If you want to enjoy your life, he said what? Keep your tongue from what? Speaking evil. So here's the deal. They're speaking the truth of what they saw, but they're speaking evil. Why? Because it's not what God said. Did you get that? Did you catch that? Do you remember what God said in verse 2? 
What did God say? This is the land that I'm giving my people. So what had God already declared? I'm giving it to them. It's theirs. Now, he never said, you're not going to face giants. You're not going to have battles. You're not going to have moments where you feel overwhelmed. God never said that. But what did God say? You're going to get this land that I promised you. Amen? But see, here's the problem. The moment we see a giant is the moment that our words change. The moment we see a hardship is the moment that our words start looking different. So they're actually speaking against what God has declared. Like Desiree, I'm telling you, God has declared you are going to get pregnant. I promise you. God's already declared it. Heaven already sees all your children. God knows. God knows that you two are going to get married. Amen? Amen. He's got a great plan. Just because you see a giant doesn't mean it's true. So why does God say they're speaking evil? Because they're not speaking what God spoke. Your words really matter. Are you aligning your words with what heaven says or what you feel inside of you? And listen, we live in such a day and a time that validates feelings all the time. It's like we glorify feelings. How do you feel? How does your heart feel? What is feeling inside of you? No, 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 no. Feelings are just feelings. Truth is truth. We sang it in the third song. Who's truth? Jesus is truth. He is truth. Let me give you an example of this. So every year, every year, I would say this. I would go, as soon as the sun comes out in Ohio, everybody's gone. Right? It's truth, right? Sun comes out, everybody loses their minds. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like we haven't seen the sun in so long. Right? So I would say this, and I would say things like this. I would say, oh, as soon as May comes, May till September, our attendance goes down, our giving goes down, volunteers drop off, everybody's gone. Everybody, it was almost like I was saying, we might as well just ride off church from May to September, right? But here's the problem. I was just telling what I saw, right? Because like clockwork, every year it would happen. As soon as the sun came out, I'd be like preaching to four people, you know what I mean? I'd be like, well, hopefully they're watching online, you know what I mean? It's what I saw. It's what I felt. It's what I thought would just continually happen, right? So... We're getting, we're getting close to Easter this year, okay? Easter this year. We had a great Easter. We had so many people. So many people's lives got changed. We had people get healed. We had people get saved. It was a great Easter, okay? So we were going into Easter, and I was praying one day, and the Lord asked me this question. He said, do I take the summer off? 
I was like, well, that's a great question, God. He said, do I take the summer off? And I was like, no. And then he asked me this question. He said, did I say that your attendance and giving would drop in those months? And I was like, no. And then he said, did I say that you wouldn't have enough people to run service? And I was like, no. And then he said this, well, then why are you saying that? He said, why are you saying that? And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm just speaking the truth, right? Just like the spies, right? They go into the land, they see the giants, they come back, and they're just speaking about what they saw. And I'm thinking, I'm just speaking about what I saw, but the Lord's saying to me, I didn't say that. Just because you feel that doesn't mean it's the truth and the reality that I want you to live in. Oh, see, we're getting it today, aren't we? We are getting it. Just because you feel this doesn't mean it's truth. Just as you feel this doesn't mean that this isn't what God wants. God is better. Come on, somebody. You want more? I want more. I want better. I want better than what I'm currently in. I believe that I'm going from glory to glory. I believe that the best is yet to come. I believe that the best years of my life aren't behind me, but they're before me. This is what God has in store. Listen, just because you think your marriage is broken, that, isn't, that doesn't mean that's how God sees it. I had a broken marriage for a lot of years. Wasn't God's plan. Wasn't how God saw it. God saw my marriage fruitful. God saw my marriage with joy and peace and us enjoying each other and wanting to be with each other. Amen? Just because you think, just because you think your children are little monsters, right? Listen, can I just say this to all the parents and all the future parents? Watch what you speak over your kids. Watch what you speak. You can speak life or death, but your words are going to frame who they become. So just because you think they're little monsters, and you're like, I hear it all the time, man, these little monsters, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking to myself, well, you said you had a monster, so you have a monster, right? Just as you think they're a little monster doesn't mean that that's God's plan for their life. I promise you, I promise you, if you would have known Pastor Jeff when he was a kid growing up in Glad Tidings Church, you would have thought he is the monster of monsters, okay? Right? But what was I? I was a leader. I was a leader. Right? And you know what I'm so thankful for? I'm so thankful that my grandparents never called me a monster. They always called me a leader. They would always say that over me. They'd always go, Jeffrey, you're a leader. I'd be like, Ugh, you know what I mean? Right? Don't you love when your kids do that? Like, uh, you know? Oh, I saw this video the other day of Prince William's, like, little boy, and his mom was correcting him, and he was, like, trying to smack her and stuff, and I'm like, oh, I'd be, I would have pulled his pants down right there. I would have gone to town right there. Right? Sometimes you're like, oh, this kid is such a problem child. I'm like, no, 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 they're a leader. You just got to hear what God has to say. It's got to get God's perspective. 
How do you see them, God? How do you see this? Right? Just because it's been a hard year. Some of you have gone through a really hard 12 months. Maybe it lasts six months, three months. I don't know. You've gone through a really, really, really tough time. Just because you've gone through a hard time doesn't mean that there's blessing right around the corner. Right? So what do you do when we understand that we're speaking evil and because we're speaking evil and we're not speaking what God is speaking, we're actually not enjoying our life, right? Remember what Peter said. You want to enjoy your life. You want to enjoy it. Stop speaking evil. So what do we do when we find out? Because here's what the Lord's doing. The Lord's not mad at you today. I want this to get really clear in your head. The Lord is not mad at you. When you make mistakes, it doesn't, he never said, my judgment and anger will turn you to me. Show me in the word where it says that. It doesn't. It says, my goodness and grace and forgiveness will actually turn our heart to him. So he's not angry at you. He's not frustrated. But what does he want? He wants this season to change for you. Correct? So what do we do? I want you to write this down if you can. Let me give you, let me give you a couple points. Number one is this. Ask the Lord to forgive you for speaking death. You know what I had to do back at Easter? I had to ask the Lord. Lord, I asked. I remember it was right here on the stage. I'd go, Lord, Lord, forgive me for speaking death over the summer, over the last five years. Lord, forgive me for every word that didn't align with heaven and what you are thinking and what you want for this church. Lord, I renounce in the name of Jesus every word of death that I've spoken over Elevate Church, and I declare now that you are good and you are taking us into a new season. I had to renounce those words. I asked the Lord, Lord, forgive me for those words. Lord, we got to cancel these words. Got to cancel these words that we've spoken over our health, these words we've spoken over our future, these words we've spoken over our job, the words that we speak over our finances, the words we speak over our future. We got to go, Lord, forgive me for this death that I've spoken over my life. Because here's the deal. You're not enjoying your life because you're speaking death over your life. Promise you. The second thing is this. You have to speak life over that situation. And here's the hard part. You're speaking into something that you're not physically seeing at the moment, right? That's the tough part. You, you don't see it. You don't have it. You can't feel it. You can't grab it. And so you got to speak. So I started doing things like this back in, uh, what was that? In early March, I started going, God, I declare that we will have the biggest attendance that we've ever had in the summer. Started declaring that. Now, for some people, would, they would think, well, why does having attendance matter? Well, I'll tell you why it matters. Because when you're in the house of the Lord, you're under the word of God and under the presence of God, and it changes your life. It is the enemy's plan to do what? To isolate you from church with things that you think are good things. Like you think, oh, we've had a long week, and you know, it's a beautiful Sunday morning on Sunday morning. You know what? I'm just going to I'm going to skip church, and I'm just going to sit here and drink my coffee in peace. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm getting into you, aren't I? Sounds good. Feels right. It's not actually God's plan. Right? 
So I'm like, God, I declare we're going to have the biggest attendance we've ever had. Did you know that the month of May was the largest attendance numbers in the month of May that we've ever had in the six years of our existence? <laughs> Promise you. We had big, big services in May. I started saying things like this, speaking life, speaking life for the situation. I started going, God, I declare that we will grow this summer and people's lives will be changed. Why? Because God doesn't take the summer off. God wants to change your life all year round. God, God wants to heal. He wants to restore. I started declaring things like this. I said, Lord, I thank you that the people of Elevate Church, they are blessed. And let me tell you, I am praying for your finances. And I believe, I truly believe, truly believe that even in this season in the earth, that the people of Elevate Church will be blessed. You're all blessing because you trust the Lord. So I've been praying. I said, Lord, I declare that the people of Elevate Church are blessed and that they're generous. We have a generous church. We have a generous people, okay? We, we can't do things like building the home for the girls. I, I know Pastor Ryan talked about they just completed the home for the girls. Amen, come on. 30 girls just got taken off the streets. They're not gonna be sold into sex slavery. And guess what? Ryan asked me, he said, what do you want to do? I said, we're going to build another one. Right? When we're generous, we get to do great, cool things like that. I started to declare. I said, Lord, I declare that if you've called us to two services, you called us to do a week of kids camp, and then the week after kids camp, you called us to do a week of youth camp, and then we're having a men's retreat, and then we're doing groups during the summer. If you've called us to do all these things, which we've never done all together in one summer together, if you've called us to it, then I believe that your grace and strength is more than enough for us to go through this summer. Start declaring. I declared, God, the people of Elevate Church are servant-hearted. I declared, God, that the summer of 22 is going to be the best summer we've ever had. So what's the first thing I do? I, do, I repent. I just go, Lord, I'm sorry that I've spoken this death over this situation. The second thing is you speak life over the, sec over the situation. The third thing we do is this. We remind God of what he said. Remind God what he said. Verse 30, why did Caleb try to quiet the people? Because he knew they were speaking evil. He said, no, 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 no. God told us already that what? We're going to conquer this land. It's our land. So what is Caleb speaking out? He's just speaking out what God has spoken, right? And then they pipe up and they want to start talking about giants and Achan and, you know, grasshoppers and all this kind of stuff. What do we got to do in these moments when we face a giant? Okay, like, like let's take the giant of addiction. And I know when we hear the word addiction, we think of like people, you know, shooting heroin or something like that. Man, we can be addicted to lots of different things. You're addicted to Starbucks, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm addicted to free bread at restaurants, okay? I mean, <laughs> right? Can I get an amen from anybody else that's addicted to free bread at restaurants? Right? We can have all kinds of addictions. But you know what you do when you face a giant? You go, God, I thank you that even though I face this giant, I thank you 
Just like your word says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. Because the enemy's real good at telling you how terrible you are all the time. Even though you're a child of God, he tells you all the time about your failures and mistakes, how messed up you are, how could you do that? You just got to go, God, I thank you that you declared that I belong to you. And there's no guilt and there's no shame because I belong to you because you took it all on the cross for me. Right? You go, God, I thank you for 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where it said, for God made Christ Jesus. He made Jesus who never sinned to be an offering for our sin. What a great, what a great truth. Jesus became an offering for you. He gave his life so that you could live a free life in Jesus. So that we could be made what? Made right with God through Christ. So you go, Lord, I thank you that even though I face this giant of pornography, I face this giant of lust, I face this giant of greed, I face this giant before me, I thank you that even though I'm going through it and I'm facing it, I thank you that I am the righteousness of Christ, that you see me as a son and a daughter and that you strengthen me to overcome this. Amen? You're reminding God of what he's declared over your life. He declared that you're righteous when you're not righteous. What a great truth. You're reminding God, God, this is what you said about me. God, I thank you for Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. So I thank you, God, no matter what I face in this life, no matter what's before me, I thank you that the same Spirit that rose God's body from the pit of hell is in me. It strengthens me so that I can overcome this life. So the first thing you do, you go, God, I repent for these words, this death. God, I speak life over this situation. And then you go, God, this is what you said. This is what you said. This is your promises. This is your truth. This is what you have in store. And the last point today is this. And if you can write this down, I want you to write this down. You can't live in the land that God has for you when you're holding tight to fear. I'm going to say it again. You can't live in the land that God has for you when you're holding tight to fear. When fear is gripping your mind, when fear is gripping your heart. There was two people, Joshua and Caleb, that came back with what? They brought a good report. They said, this is what God said. This is the land that he has for us. We can go take it right now. Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. Because why? They believed in what God said. See, there's a supernatural power about you believing the word of God. You release God's power, not yours. They believed it. And because they believed it, they were the only two men of the entire generation that was permitted to go into the promised land. The only two. Everybody else wandered and died, where? In the wilderness. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to die in the wilderness. 
I don't want to die in the wilderness. That, that, that's, not, that's not God's plan for my life. That's not where I'm, I'm going. I'm going to the promised land that God has for me. Okay? But let me say this. Your decision, because here's, here's the deal. This is what I love about God. He's a God that gives free will. He goes, you can choose to enjoy your life and enjoy the life that I have for you, or you can choose to do whatever you want to do. So let me make this clear. Your decision to not trust God, your decision to hold on to fear, your decision to not allow Jesus to heal the wounds of your past, your decision to speak evil versus God's truth is what? It's going to cost you the promised land. And here's what's so frustrating. People blame that on God. They blame it on God. They chalk it up, well, God, God didn't do it for me. No, he gave you a choice, just like he gave his people a choice. You can choose to believe me and enter the promised land, or you can hold on to fear. You can, you can hold on to fear. And here's what's interesting. This is what the Lord showed me. It didn't just cost the people who died in the wilderness. Okay, it actually costs Joshua and Caleb. What it cost them, 40 years of their life wandering in the wilderness. Did you, did you see that? So when you don't overcome and go into the promised land, you're actually holding things back from your children. I wanna, I wanna do an illustration real quick. I wanna show you how God how God um, showed me this. Let me see. Come here. Yeah, yeah, come here. Real quick, come here. Fast, fast, fast. You got long legs, I know you do. I want, I want to show you how the Lord showed me this. Okay, yeah, bring all these things out, okay? Give me those pillows real quick, okay? I'm gonna do a little experiment. You like money? Yeah. Yeah, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I like money, okay? Yeah. It's a good thing, okay? Um, here, just hold out your hands, okay? I'm gonna fill you up here, okay? I'm gonna play, play a little game, okay? Like a youth group, make your hands, arms bigger. There you go, okay? Dipping back in my youth pastor days, okay? All right. Here, yeah, Get, tuck it under that arm. There you go, yeah. Uh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Your nose, there you go. Your nose is doing a good job right now. Okay. All right, buddy. Um, I got some cash on this table, and um, it's all yours if you can grab it without letting go of anything that you're holding and without dropping anything that you're holding. Deal. Yeah? yeah? You got this? Yeah. All right. You, you can try. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. All right. Say that again. What am I looking for? What am I looking for? What am I looking for? Cash. Okay. Now, here. Just hold this. Okay. You're good, right? You good for a minute? Maybe. <laughs> I want to show you this. This is what God showed me. 
you can't grab onto the new life that God has for you when you're holding on to your old life. When you're holding on to worry and fear and anxiety and doubt and, and you're holding on because I'm gonna tell you what the trick is. We actually settle for less, okay? Because you can grab it and touch it, right? Whatever you can grab and touch and feel, you'll actually hold on to that longer than letting go of that to grab what God has for you, right? So what do you gotta do to grab that money? Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. And what do you do? It's your money, bro. Amen? Why don't you stand up with me this morning?